episode 117, Lin Yap, author of the book, The Altruistic Capitalist, How to Lead for Purpose and Profit. So my favorite mistake, or what I like to see as a moment of growth, an opportunity for growth, now is working on the IPO for Facebook. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For links, show notes, information about Lynn's work and book, you can go to markbraben.com slash mistake 117. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. Our guest today is Lynn Yap. She's the founder of Activate Network, whose mission is to increase the participation of women in the fields of technology and entrepreneurship. She started her career as a corporate attorney and then followed a traditional business path. She got an MBA from the prestigious Wharton School. She worked in investment banking. And I think we'll hear elements maybe of that in her stories. So before I tell you a little more about Lynn, let me just first say uh, thank you for being here, Lynn. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, you're very welcome. And uh, Lynn has uh, a book um, titled The Altruistic Capitalist, How to Lead for Purpose and Profit. So Lynn's um, career led um, her to research more about using businesses as a force for good. She's had conversations with leaders at for-profit corporations, as well as entrepreneurs, uh, investors, and from her own work. Um, So we'll talk about uh, Activate Network and uh, her book. What other, maybe this is a a fun fact, this is an impressive fact, Lynn is currently learning her eighth language, Catalan. Am I even saying the name of the language properly, Catalan? Yes, yes, that's correct. (laughs) Yeah, I speak uh, eight languages in varying levels, let's put it that way. That's very that's that's very impressive. I make uh, enough mistakes with English. I would only be making mistakes in other <laughs> in other languages, which you know I try. But um, but Lynn, thank you again for being here. You know, as we always do, um, we ask guests to kind of take a look back and reflect. You know, what would you say is your favorite mistake? So my favorite mistake, or what I like to see as a moment of growth, or an opportunity for growth, happened in May of 2012. At that time, I was working in investment banking, and I was working on the IPO for Facebook. Now, at that point in time, this was just after the financial crisis. A lot of the tech startups were going public, and we had been, the team um, that I was in, we had been courting Facebook for a long time. Um, in order to participate, to be on the front cover of the S1, you know, bragging rights, um, um, prestigious, prestigious deal. So a lot of us wanted to be on that deal. Now, what happened at that time, May 2012, uh, my grandmother was uh, also got quite ill and the doctors didn't think that she would, she would make it. Uh, I live in New York. My grandmother lived in Malaysia, where I grew up in Kuala Lumpur. And I, hadn't been back to see her work being the way it is in investment banking when you're working 80 to 100 hours a week it's really quite hard to to take time off and especially to go all the way back um, to visit family 
So what happened was I, I went to uh, the team lead and said, look, this is the situation. My grandmother is quite ill and I really like to go home and, and say goodbye to her. Uh, unfortunately, the answer that came back was a very quick reply of no. And that was more or less the end of the discussion. There wasn't anything more on that. I, I was quite disappointed and also very conflicted at that point. Of course, I, I re- I'm really proud of the work that I do and want to deliver um, the best quality and up to the best standards. But of, also my family is very important to me. So I was, of course, that torn between duty to work uh, and, and duty to my family. And ultimately, I chose to stay in New York um, and to carry on with the deal. I had been the uh, the person behind it for a long time, so I knew the ins and outs of what needed to be done. Um, so then Facebook went um, on the roadshow, they went public, and um, that was that. My grandmother also passed away at that same time. Um, oh, and I was, I didn't have, I didn't have the opportunity to go home and say goodbye and to support my, my mother, um, at that, at that point in time. So I felt very guilty. Uh, I felt, um, a little bit disappointed in myself, maybe even angry with myself for, um, having made that decision, uh, for not perhaps standing up to my, my values. Um, I couldn't talk about it for a while, but, um, at a certain point in time, I, I, you know, um, you know, learning from the mistake, reflecting on it, and and I guess understanding that, you know, moving forward, I didn't want to sacrifice my values. And for me, it's important to value people. Uh, people, you know, business leaders say people are our greatest asset. But you know, when it comes down, when it came down to it, that wasn't what I had experienced in this particular. Um, in this particular example, in this particular situation. So um, I started reflecting. I started also looking to see what I could do from a work perspective that gave me meaning, that gave me purpose, that um, really valued people and respected um, people for who they are and what value they brought to business. And so I left investment banking and I started to look for work that allowed me to make a positive impact on people and the planet. Um, that has led me to work with companies such as the Estee Lauder company, as well as Adidas, um, where I then work on innovation projects um, that allowed, allowed the brands to increase brand awareness, as well as create a positive impact on communities and the environment. And which then eventually brought me down to, you know, going down and wanting to be more aligned with my own values, starting my own organization, which is Activate Network where I create positive business values for the companies that I collaborate with, um, as well as the communities that I involve in the projects um, that are in li- aligned with the things that I'm passionate about, which is then um, education and leadership um, of women in our communities. So, uh, well, well, yeah. So thank you for, for sharing that. I mean, I realize that that's um, maybe not pleasant to, to, to talk about or to share. And um, I can see where that would lead you to, to, to rethink things and, and get on a different path. And, and so we'll talk about um, Activate Network and, and the book and, and, and those values. But, um, you know, a couple of follow-up questions on the story that you told. Like how, how dire, just for context, how dire would the consequences have been if you said, you know what, I, I have to go to Malaysia, would you have lost your job? Would you have just been bumped, removed from the deal in a way that would have damaged your career? 
I suspect um, that, well, at the most extreme end, I could have lost my job. Um, at a milder sense, I might have been flagged as someone who was less committed to work um, and maybe not involved in um, as many deals or even um, had bonus, well, in the short term, uh, my bonus would have been, uh, would have been, uh, would have been at risk. So that, those are the potential, those were the potential consequences that I had in my head when I made that decision. This was also earlier on in my career, um, was it almost 10 years now, where I guess with, with hindsight, if you, uh, now it's like, well, it's just one deal and it's at the end of the day, it, it's, it's work. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, you take pride in that work. Um, there was the prestige and, and I'm sure it was exciting to, to be part of that. But I mean, I, I don't know really anything about investment banking. I mean, you were, you were part of, I'm sure for someone like this, a really a large team and like no offense to you, had you gone to Malaysia, the team would have continued the deal uh, would, would have come to fruition. Right. Uh, this was, also just after the financial crisis. So it was quite a lean team. It was me and then it was the lead of the team. Um, we could have, of course, talked about different alternatives. Um, I could have passed it on to someone uh, from a different from a different industry focus because I was focused on tech. We were focused on tech. Um, we could have done that. Um, I could have handed off to a, a different associate or someone uh, more junior um, that could have supported the team lead. Um, but there was no discussion about that. And even the, um, after the deal ended, there wasn't any follow-up questions. So how is your grandmother? How are things going? Mm, so that was, uh, that, that was a little bit dis- disappointing. Um, yeah. yeah. So then um, you, you said you left banking. How, how much longer was it before you then left? It was a few months after. Few months I, after. I, it, was, it was quite hard for me to stay focused and to stay engage in the work that I did um, after after that. Uh, I, I'm very grateful for the time that I had in investment banking. You learn a lot about business, um, how to run businesses well. Uh, but I also saw the side of where if you're overly focused on just the bottom line or growing top line profits, how it can lead to negative impacts of, of the team. Yeah, sure. And you know, it's just one, you know, one other question. And you know, the the the, the spirit of the podcast here is is not um, beating people up verbally for their mistakes. You know, you 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 made your choice, and I understand that was a really difficult decision. And um, you know, it's uh, it's a shame that you were put in that position. Is I think how I would view that and frame that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I've, I've got my my favorite mistake coffee mug here and imprinted on, on the other side are some things that I remind myself of. And we sometimes talk about here on the show. Be kind to yourself. Nobody is perfect. We all make mistakes. The important thing is continuing to learn from our mistakes. So, you know, the the, the final follow up, you know, question there, Lynn, you know, um, for you, Lynn, like, w- w- were you able to be kind to yourself? I know you felt bad. You said you felt guilty. Like, were you able to show yourself some, some grace? Did that just take time? Yes, I really like that one. Be kind to yourself. It's something mm-hmm. that I've learned um, over the years. And indeed, be kind to yourself is one of the most important things in, in order to grow, in order to learn 
from our mistakes to look back and say, hey, that, that was okay. You know, the important thing is take it as a data point and use it um, to move forward. An important thing is moving forward. So yes, over time, I've been able to, you know, learn to be, to go easy on myself. It's okay to take a bit more risk because um, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall as long as I saw, oh, okay, that's, that's what happened. That's why I fell. And just have the courage to stand up again uh, and, and to take the next step. Yeah. And, and those next steps, in, including starting Activate Network and writing, and, and that, that puts yourself in a position where you, you could make different decisions or balance work and life or whatever comes up if you need to step back and move away. I imagine you're, you're uh, a good boss to yourself and to others, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes, indeed, I am. Uh, I've been a- better able to balance my own time and to focus on things that really matter to me. But I didn't decide. I, de- I decided to start Activate Network, and and the book project was something that came up uh, as a result of COVID. Um, but I, I started those projects because I wanted to create impact. And I'm someone who um, is also um, quite curious and um, wanting to wanting to learn, wanting to put myself out of my comfort zone in order to grow. And, and so, with being kinder. To, in learning to be kinder to myself as well, it was okay to, you know, start something. And if it doesn't work out, then okay, now, now I know at least I tried it. At least I tried starting my own organization to see where it led to. And similarly with a book that has been quite a learning curve, I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't expect the amount of work and the amount of time that it would take, but it has been so rewarding. And every time I put a new piece, uh, a new a new piece of writing out to to the public, it's you know letting myself uh, be naked and and be be judged, and it's okay. You know, I'm I'm also kind to myself. It's like that's okay if if that wasn't perfect. The important thing is to understand the process of creation of learning from others, um, and then sharing that piece of piece of knowledge and wisdom with the rest of the world. So that's what I've taken from the whole writing journey. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I am tempted by one more follow-up question, just based off your bio. And again, we'll, we'll, I do have questions. I want to learn more about Activate Network in the book. But you know, from your bio, you know, so as you started as a corporate attorney and then you went to Wall Street, I mean, are you still, was, was that an intentional career change where you thought, well, working as a corporate attorney or working full-time in law was, I don't know if mistake is too strong of a word, but I'll, I'll use the word. And if, if you disagree, I'd, I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. Again, I will say it wasn't a mistake because I don't um, regret not, um, I, I don't regret going into law school. Uh, it was something that, um, something that I was encouraged to, go into to explore as a career corporate law. I was very strong with mathematics and, and physics. So I love everything that, that that's quantitative. Um, but I was encouraged to go and, and be a corporate lawyer. Um, Cause um, you know, that's, that's a nice stable career to have. Uh, and when I was uh, in, uh, when I was a corporate attorney, I believe I did quite well. I was given my own projects to manage. I started drafting my own contracts um, at a, at a junior level, which is quite unusual. Um, 
But at that time, because I was working in corporate law, I was also exposed to this group of bank to this group of people called the investment bankers, and they seemed to be, you know, doing all this cool financial stuff, you know, dealing with numbers. I thought, huh, maybe I'll try that. <laughs> it wasn't a it wasn't a career opportunity that I was exposed to when I was growing up or when I was in college, and so uh, I again put myself out there and uh, hustled for for a role in investment banking and. Kind of took it from there. Yeah. So again, our guest today is Lynn Yap. She's on, by my count, her third career, which is, uh, you know, that's how these things go. Um, so, you know, tell us more, you know, in this third phase of your career, Activate Network, you know, looking at the website, it looks like there's a lot of interactive programs and you, know, you can kind of explain, um, you know, the, tar- the programs are targeted toward young women. Tell, tell us more about that. Yes, thank you very much. Um, so these programs are actually multi-generational leadership programs. It's intended to, you know, again, increase the participation of women in the in senior leadership, in technology, in entrepreneurship. It's basically to empower women to achieve their fullest potential. Uh, and what happens is I partner with companies um, who then uh, set up a business problem that they want to solve. So I'll give the recent example, the last cohort, the most recent cohort that graduated, uh, a collaboration with Pearson Education. Uh, they wanted to find out what is a, um, what would a qualification and sustainability look like? Uh, because they, 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 what they do is they, they produce um, qualification products. Um, what, is, what does a qualification uh, and sustainability look like? What are the different... Um, careers in sustainability that students will be interested in, students entering college and graduating from college, what, what type of careers are those? Um, and then finally, what is the new method of delivery um, that will engage the students in this new qualification? So that was the business problem. And the participants of the program are women employees, um, whether it's uh, a junior level all the way to up a senior level, um, uh, uh, women employees from Pearson, and then there are um, students from the ages of 14 to 15 who are participating in the program. And together, they work to solve this business problem. So the students go and do research, do interviews. The women talk to the students directly, so they have direct access to the target market of Pearson. So there's clear business value that's delivered. The women, uh, and, and this is based on an internal impact assessment report that Pearson did, they found that the women uh, who participate in the program, they got to know women who worked in different functions because it's one is a virtual program. So there were women from the U.S. as well as the U.K. that, that participated. They were able to meet um, people from new teams. Um, they were able to learn from people with different perspectives and different working cultures. Because what happens is I also pair up the women um, with with an I pair the women up with someone else who uh, has a different uh, way of working and the way of seeing things just based on interviews that I, I do with them beforehand. And the same with the, the girls. There is an Im, there's a positive impact on the community because the girls typically come from disadvantaged families and they get to see different career opportunities. So they're exposed to careers in digital and technology and they, they have these role models to look up to. There are these women who have achieved success in their careers and they also have, um, you know, uh, other in outside interests, personal interests, family um, uh, that that they are involved in. So all of this then um, 
together delivers business value to Pearson, delivered business value to Pearson. There was value to the employees. So the women were, were more engaged at work because they felt that they were doing meaningful work. And then finally, on the community itself, the, the students, the female students, they were very excited to, um, you know, uh, know, how, understand how it, what it's like to work for a company, know the different careers within Pearson. And of course, this is their potential pipeline, because at the end of the program, we had some of the girls come up and say, oh, do you have internships? How can I, you know, I mean, they're still a bit too early to, to be part of an internship, but, you know, they were so excited to um, to get to know these women. And they wanted them to be part of the company in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and Pearson is the business school in London. Is that? Uh, Pearson Education is, uh, yes, oh. it is based in the UK. Yeah. Okay. But it's mm-hmm. a global education uh, ah, company. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and so people um, who might want to get their daughter involved in the program or if they're a young professional themselves, I mean, geographically, people, women can participate in this program regardless of where they live. Is that right? Yeah, this is 100% virtual. Since Mm -hmm. COVID, and because COVID, um, I would say actually COVID has helped because this has enhanced the program uh, uh, more than what it used to be when it was was a hybrid between virtual and in-person. Now, because it's 100% virtual, uh, the girls are also exposed to mentors from different parts of the world. We have had mentors from South Africa, for instance, and you know, they get very excited because it's it's something, um, it's a culture that they're not necessarily, um, don't necessarily interact with usually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, this, this gap, this clearly measurable gap as one of my previous guests, um, Tom Peters, the legendary business author and, and consultant, um, you know, Tom Peter spends a lot of time, and I think rightfully so, um, yelling and screaming, I mean, like in a constructive way, um, making the point that there we, we need more women on corporate boards, there aren't enough women as CEOs. Is that part of the vision of, of what a program like Activate Network is working toward, Lynn? Indeed, the vision is to have um, to have more women's voices heard at the table. So whether it's corporate boards, whether it's senior leadership, whether it's creating new products. Um, I think it's important to have diversity and inclusion, not just now um, there's the, there are diversity quotas, for instance, that, uh, you know, X percent, let's call it 30% of women in, in boards or at senior leadership. I think what's more important is to make, um, to make the women feel included in the conversation, to have the courage and the self-confidence to, to actually do that. Um, and, and in this program, we've also basically encouraged the, the female students and the women to, to speak up. It's, it's a safe space. There is a sense of sisterhood and it was intentionally made 100% uh, female for that reason um, to, yeah. to give that safe space in order to speak up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I'm sure, you know, uh, uh, an initiative like this uh, along with others will, will help close that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you talked about the gap in, you know, sort of the, the culture and, you know, the, you know, the treatment that you were receiving in, in your previous job, like you said, like, you know, not even being asked, um, you know, about your grandmother. And, you know, we think about different goals and, and stakeholders to a business, you know, profit clearly is important. I say that with somebody, as somebody with an MBA, um, 
I think profit is uh, most more often than not a positive driving force in the pursuit of that. But at the same time, when uh, I, you know that's the only driving force, then I think we get in we get into problems. And you know the the business roundtable group of CEOs put out a statement saying we've got to do more than just focus on shareholders. We've got to look at stakeholders. I, I'm curious, what was your reaction to that? Or in general, this seems to tie into your book, The Altruistic Capitalist, really well. Yeah, um, I definitely uh, agree with that. I think stakeholder capitalism, where all the interests of stakeholders are balanced, um, including um, you know being financially disciplined, that's very important. Um, a recent uh, uh, development is that um, last year, uh, just about a year ago, the World Economic Forum then came up with um, 21 core stakeholder capitalism metrics that focus on people, governance, the planet, prosperity, and prosperity in the sense of how much how much investment does a company make uh, in the local communities in which they operate and how much taxes they pay in the local communities. I think this is an even more exciting uh, development where these metrics, they're proposing to make these metrics mandatory reporting. So in addition to the financial reporting that we see right now, or the profit and loss uh, balance sheet cash flow, these metrics will also become mandatory. And that means that there's more transparency. We are able to look across companies and compare them and analyze them consistently. Um, it also, what I mean, what what you measure is where you focus your, your work on. And so that will also get people to start thinking about, okay, um, what about access to access to um, clean water? What about the gender pay gap? What about our diversity demographics? How, um, uh, you know, how are we, how are we taking care of the, uh, of our communities? What are we doing for the planet? What's our carbon footprint? I think all of these are very important to focus companies in the future on, on the topics that affect all of us. And I think those companies that do not um, report on these uh, metrics or are not taking steps to prepare their data and their systems for these metrics will be left behind. Well, I think um, that that could happen, that, that leaving behind could be a matter of consumers making decisions based on companies they deem to be socially responsible and or uh, some investors are actually really starting to push for this, right? Indeed, yeah. Assets under management in the last year during COVID um, just skyrocketed. So, much, so many investors started to look more into transferring their assets, transferring the, um, they're transferring their investments into more sustainable sustainable assets. So companies that are focused on um, the environment or sustainability uh, for the communities, um, that is also, I think, putting pressure on companies to start looking at how different business activities are done. It's not just a question of, well, we're going to put a fancy campaign out, we're going to put a fancy message out, but you don't do the work. You have to walk the talk. There's a lot of transparency. People are going into the details and trying to find out, well, what is it that you really do? And it has to be consistent. It's okay if there is a gap in, 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 in your sustainability um, strategy or in, in, in the things that you do, but there is a plan then to address that gap. I think people respect that, you know, we are still learning and there's still a long ways to go in terms of 
being carbon neutral. But if we address that gap and say, all right, this is the plan to get to this stage, I think consumers respect that and will reward you for it. Yeah. So when you look at the book, and again, the title is The Altruistic Capitalist. Um, in the book, you, you talk about the altruistic capitalist mindset or mindsets. You know, you, you, you sketch this out in much more detail in the book and there are the stories and the interviews. But can you kind of summarize what those mindsets are, what you discovered through your interviews? Sure. Thank you. Um, so I interviewed 50 odd um, corporate executives, social entrepreneurs, um, nonprofits, investors, organizations that are really interested in creating a positive impact um, in the environment and as well as people. Um, and what I found consistent across these interviews were three mindsets or leadership traits, um, that of mindfulness, curiosity, and grit. And grit, and I mean it in the form of um, scaling impacts for collaboration. I found that very consistent. Um, and, and these three were, uh, were present in a lot of the conversations that I had with, uh, for the book. And um, the book is uh, the, the book has been available since um, April 2021. Um, you know, it's it's a really important topic, like you said, focusing not just on profit but on people and the planet. And there are other P's or other uh, there are other core metrics. But I think as those categories go, trying to find a balance between focusing on um, profit, people, planet. Um, really important, really inspiring. So I know those stories um, will, will be helpful. You know, at the beginning of the book, you know, I only got so far into the book, I will admit, Lynn, but um, the, the, the story that you told here today on the podcast about that time in investment banking and not being able to, to go visit your grandmother, um, that story does help tee up the book. So I, I had a pretty strong inkling that that, that would be the story um, we'd hear about today. So uh, again, our guest has been uh, Lynn Yap. Um, you can find uh, the book's website at altruisticcapitalist.com. I had to focus really hard to try to not stumble over that, my mistakes with the English language, altruisticcapitalist.com. May one other uh, question here, like, you know, uh, front and center on the website, big, huge picture of an old typewriter. Are you sort of like Tom Hanks? Are you a typewriter buff or you just like the image? I just like the image. I believe uh, I'm slightly old school like that, but I, I work on a laptop. Uh, <laughs> I also journal. Uh, I mean, that's part of my mindfulness practice. Uh, mm -hmm. I also journal, so I'm a bit old school like that. I like writing too. But most yeah. of the writing I do um, for publishing is done on, on my laptop. Okay. And then there are, you know, I, I, I don't think I would buy one of these, but there are external keyboards that look very much like an old retro typewriter with the similar kind of key action. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to look that up. I didn't know that it, those existed. Yep. So um, you maybe can give that a try or it's a mistake and hopefully there's a, a refund policy. <laughs> Um, but Lynn, it's been really nice to meet you um, through this. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Congratulations on the launch of the book. I hope people check it out. The Altruistic Capitalist by Lynn Yap. I'm, I'm glad to hear your, 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 your story and your reflections. And you know, I think something that gets categorized as a favorite mistake is something that's hard that then it's hard to go through, but then it sounds like it certainly helped push you in a, a, a different direction. And I'm, you seem very happy with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Thanks again, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, thanks again to Lynn Yap for being our guest today. For links, show notes, video, transcript, and more, you can go to markraven.com slash mistake 117. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.